Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. It's all about the ginger syrup, listener. Forget about the stuff out the can, and forget origin stories and trademark disputes. At the end of the day, all you should be thinking about when considering the dark and stormy is perfecting a proper ginger syrup. Oh, and rum, of course. Heaven forbid we forget about that, especially in the company of today's guest. And you know what? That's all I'm going to say about today's show. Because that guest will be very familiar with all of you longtime listeners. Spoiler alert, it's the pirate himself, Brian Miller. And the soothing sound of waves you can hear right now you'll quickly find out what all that's about. Sarongs are optional, but get those juice extractors at the ready. We're sipping on Dark and Stormies here today at Cocktail College, which is brought to you, as always, by the good folks, the Vine Pair Podcast Network. All right, and that is us. How do we feel about that? We feel good. Yeah, we do. Cheers. Cheers, brother. With a plastic cup. <laughs> is that really birds? Or are you sure you're not hitting a button? That is birds. Wow. How come I can only hear the birds on this on this podcast and not in real life? Because you haven't been listening. Because you've had your music so loud for the past six days. That's true. Um, all right, we're getting into this. It's Cocktail College, but it's not the Cocktail College you know, listener. This is an episode of firsts. The... Um, Definitely the first time I've recorded outside of New York City, I believe. Um, the first time where my guest sat opposite me is wearing nothing but a swimsuit, <laughs> some bathing shorts. Um, there's and there's a re- listeners going, I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason for that. Um, it's Brian Miller. He's back. Brian, where in the world are we? We are in the Seychelles. And we're about, what, 10, 15 meters from the beach? According to that towel across from me, we're rum from the other side. That's, what it, that's where we are. Okay. And what are we doing out here? What are we doing in the Seychelles right now? Okay, well, aside from having an incredible time, uh, we are drinking Takamaka rum. Pretty much breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is correct. We are out here by invitation. We're being hosted by the wonderful Dofe family. Wonderful people. They were the first settlers on the island, the first people to ever call this island home. Uh, they've been here for multiple, multiple generations, and they are the makers and the owners of Takamaka Rum, as we said. Not currently available in the U.S., but, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i filling my suitcase with as much as possible. It's coming in a suitcase soon. Do not listen, U.S. Customs. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be declaring anything but we're bringing a lot back. But it is big, I know, in the UK and the United Arab Emirates. So for our listeners in those markets, if you don't already know it, can definitely recommend it. It's been wonderful so far. And, you know, what else could we do today but discuss a rum cocktail? Sitting on a beach. And I'm going to say that is the only thing that is dark and stormy about today's episode because it's a beautiful day. As we say, we're going to start rubbing that in now. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Wrong sound effect, sorry. Um, but it's the dark and stormy. Talk to me. What's the first thing you think about when you think about this cocktail when someone brings that cocktail up, Brian? 
milk and honey. Milk and honey. Yeah. Attaboy, the, their whole family. Yep. Dutch kills. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that a lot because I don't think that's the first thing that most people think of. Obviously, it's, it's rum, it's ginger beer. And look, oftentimes on this podcast, we like to get into historical stuff to begin with. When it's a one-on-one, essentially, I think there's some danger of going too far deep into that. Who did it first? Because it's so simple. Sure. But what are the known facts about this drink? Or what do people say invented... Well, supposedly it's invented by the Gosling's family. Mm-hmm. It's a Gosling's uh, copyrighted drink, uh, much like the painkiller is Pusser's copyrighted drink. Um, but I think you can do it with other rums. I mean, I definitely like Gosling's. That's usually, Yeah, no slight on them. Yeah, usually the way I've had it. But um, ginger beer, for the most part, I find hideous. Um, so usually when I have it, I, I will check and see if it's somewhere on the menu, like if they have ginger syrup or something like that. That's usually how I like to have it. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we're going to spend more time focusing about today, because I think this is one of those drinks that's a perfect candidate for this show where it's like, okay, you think it's simple, you think you know what it is, but you really can dial into it a little bit more with good reason, not just for the sake of doing so to be a yeah. cocktailist. Sure. <laughs> Mixologist, cocktailologist, call it whatever you want. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, story goes, Bermuda, the land of many lost ships. Uh, I think it's like 300 years ago or whatever. The Goslings first arrived there. They get into the rum business. I think they also get into the ginger beer business and they start making this drink. To this day, it remains, I am sure, I believe, the most popular drink on the island. And if you want to put that on the menu, as you say, if you want to call it the dark, <clears throat> stormy, I think it's just the the end there. Uh, It has to be with Gosling. So there you go, Malcolm and family. Um, Love what you're doing there as well. But we're going to talk about the combination of rum, ginger, and possibly lime today. So um, tell us about your philosophy when it comes to making this drink and your inherited philosophy, I would guess. Um, Well, I first kind of got exposed to this drink when I was working at... um Pegu Club, and Audrey was doing like her own little twist on it. Um, shoot, what was it called? Um, her Dark and Stormy. Shoot, I'm having a brain fart here. Um, but anyway, she kind of made it uh, with like a ginger tea, essentially a ginger tea syrup. Um, and I thought that was good, you know, but making that tea was kind of fussy. And so, um, you know, Usually after work, if I felt like going out, uh, the guys would take me to Milk and Honey, and that's where I got exposed to Sasha, and I met Richie Picado and Maddie Gee, and Mickey McElroy, and Sammy Ross, and um, I had a dark and stormy there once, and it just kind of changed how I looked at the drink, mm-hmm. and it was oh, Jamaican Firefly. Sorry, that's how that's the name of the drink that Audrey Audrey's very served good. at served at Pegu Club. Um, but getting a dark and stormy at... This would have been circa what kind of year-ish? 2005, mm-hmm. I think. That's, you know, that's, that's when I had the Jamaican Firefly, and that was definitely one of my favorites at, uh, at Pegu, among many others. Um, but, you know, go to Milk and Honey. Uh, I actually believe, I think Sammy made me my first uh, dark and stormy, and it was just like, it was made with lime... 
uh, ginger syrup and topped off with club soda. And I believe it was Gosling's that they were using. Gosling's was pretty prevalent that time uh, at bars. And um, it was just amazing. It was ginger. And it was like, I remember Sammy would tell me, he's like, Brian, women love ginger. He's like, you can never put enough ginger in a cocktail. Hence, the penicillin is as popular as it is. Um, but it really does make a difference. Like, fresh ginger in a cocktail. Like, I, if I can avoid getting a dark and stormy with ginger beer, I will. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's a crapshoot at a bar and you never know what they're doing. And they're going to give me fever tree or something like that. Um, if I was going to have a ginger beer... Um, to me, the best one is, uh, what was it, old Jamaican? Jamaican, old, old yeah. fiery. Yeah, you know, with the ginger actually floating on top of the soda. It's um, it's incredible, right? It, yeah, it's And that little burn flavor. a little, you know, the fiery, I think it might not be in the name. It's somewhere on the can for sure. I've drank a lot of that growing up. It is. It, it'll burn in a good way. It's really good, yeah. And so, you know, with the ginger syrup, that's another, like, side story where you kind of have to figure out, like, how do you do proper ginger syrup and you know Audrey made kind of like this tea version where it was like ginger and hot water and then we um added some sugar later so like sliced ginger would have been for that yeah you know we would have chopped it up you know almost like uh minced it you know and throw it in there and that was good but it's not you know that way sometimes like the ginger could go bad and ginger you know when it's bad like smells like ginger perfume you know, it has that kind of alcohol taste to it. It's almost like, you know, a, a ginger cologne or a ginger perfume. Um, but, you know, everyone was trying to figure out, like, how to do ginger syrup. And I think, like, at one point, you know, we were extracting the ginger and then it was equal parts with sugar. What do you mean by extracting there? You, you know, you throw the ginger through an extractor. Like, you kind of peel it. Like a juicer for people at home? Yeah, a juicer, like, you know, if you're juicing apples or, you know. Your your green juice machine. Yeah, exactly. That you bought and never used. I have a Breville at home, but yeah. Um, So you would extract the juice, and then I think sometimes we did equal parts sugar to ginger juice, and then we tried, I think at Death & Company for a while, we were doing um, two-to-one sugar to ginger juice but that ended up like the sugar just all kind of sank to the bottom um and so i reached out uh to richie richie piccato and i was like how do you guys make your fucking ginger syrup you know like i'm so tired of like trying to figure this out i was like you guys do the best you make the best dark and stormy what are you doing and he's like it's three to two i was like well that's fucking genius you know and so three parts sugar to two parts ginger and it works. It, not heated. Not heated. No. Just so stirred. Stirred, and you know, or you use an immersion blender, something like that, um, to mix it all up. You know, it's it it's a little bit of work, um, but in my humble opinion, it's one of the best ways to have, to make ginger syrup. Like I just think it's great. Um, and how long is something like that lasting for? I mean, you got all that sugar in there. But ginger, that you're, this is the juice we're talking about, not just an infusion. Yeah, I mean, things will last as long as they're, like, kind of kept in a refrigerator, you know, constantly. Like, if you're at home, it's like, cool, you pull it out, you make the drink, you put the ginger back in the fridge, uh, the syrup back in the fridge. And I think it'll last for a while. But like I said, it gets to a point where it almost tastes like fermented, it tastes like perfume. And that's when you know it's gone bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the syrup tends to last 
can last for a while. Ginger syrup behind a bar doesn't tend to last very much. You're constantly, <laughs> you're constantly making it. Um, I mean, but, we're talking about the process now, so we might as well add a few additional points here to it. Are you keeping all of the skin on? Are you just roughly peeling it, maybe with a spoon or something? What's yeah, the thinking there? I think you roughly peel it with a spoon. You know, some dull instrument, so you're not cutting your fingers up. Um, a peeler is not necessarily good because it just gets caught up in the peeler itself. Um, but you know, you peel it sporadic. You know, not sporadically, but uh, you know, you peel it a little bit. You want to leave some of the skin on because you want the earthiness that comes from the skin. You know, it's just like when you're doing jalapeno tequila. You don't just cut it all up, seeds and all. It's like sometimes you deseed, you'll deseed half, and then you'll use seeds on the other half. So you get that earthiness. Um, same thing with ginger. So you keep keep some of the skin on. Um, also, it's a real pain in the butt to peel ginger completely. Yeah, yeah especially. <laughs> you know, it's like one knot after another. Um, but you do that and, you know, you juice it. And I mean, honestly, probably the hardest part about ginger syrup is cleaning the extractor after, <laughs> you've after used you've it. juiced it, you know, because it's just all the the pulp that's in there and it's it's kind of a pain in the butt. But, you know, uh, it's totally worth it. I just don't think there's anything quite like it, you know. And then you can get different types of ginger. You know, sometimes in my experience, it's like I've had Israeli ginger, which is like really spicy. And that's great. Like I said, people who like ginger, it can never be spicy enough. Like, they love it. You don't want this to just be sweet and taste like candy or whatever, the candied version of it. Or like even just ginger flavoring that you might get in a bad RTD. I mean, I think when you get it with ginger beer, then it can be sweet. Yeah. You know, because they're not adding lime juice to it. Like almost any one in one that just has, you know, a soda in it, not a club soda, but like Coke or Diet Coke or ginger ale or stuff like that. It's sugar. It's sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar. And mm -hmm. so it's just not worth it, you know, and it, it, it tastes gross. And that's that's the kind of cocktail making that can ruin a cocktail for other people to try. They'll be like, ah, I've had a dark and stormy. It's fucking sweet and terrible. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't. You know, as a bartender, it's like, you're responsible. You're the gatekeeper. It's like, if you make a bad drink, then, you know, you may have ruined this drink for... For someone a, forever. A, a large group of people forever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what about you? Okay, so you mentioned lime there. This is a component. We'll get we'll get into your, your recipe later. We'll get into your specs later for this, but lime is something that you're including when you make this build of the drink. Sure. I mean, this is... The basic build that's really simple is... Two ounces of rum, uh, three-quarter lime, one ginger, shake, strain, top off with an ounce of club soda. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And it's got to be like an ounce. You can't just, like, fill it to the top. Like, you know, I am the anal retentive bartender where I'm like, cool. It's like, how much champagne? Oh, you just top it off. No, I'm like, how much? Is it an ounce? Is it an ounce and a half? Is it two? All that stuff makes a difference. I learned that from Audrey. She was, she was always on me about, like, everything needs to be measured, even club soda. No. Yeah, because then it, then it comes into, you know, if someone's reading this recipe on the Internet or trying to recreate it at their own bar, like, what's your glassware? It's a highball glass. It's just no, but, it, you know, what's your size of glassware it might be slightly different. Okay, I know these things it's tend like, to be standardized. Yeah, I mean, it's usually like a 12-ounce highball. I mean, that will fit almost everything, like, perfectly, no matter what size. So filled with that, that will be filled with ice. That will. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, how, that's, you know, the size of the glass. You know, I got a lot of practice at Pegu Club making drinks. So, um, you know, I got used to certain recipes and specs that you knew filled a 12-ounce highball glass, you know. Um, I'm not one of those people that if I got, if I got a glass and, you know, a cocktail in a glass and let's say it was like a finger and a half from the top, I'd still be fine with it, you mm -hmm. know, because I know that hopefully, you know. So you don't be tempted to just add another cube of ice or you're not adding ice to this drink? No, you're adding ice to the drink, yeah. but like, you know, sure. I, as long as the ice doesn't go over the rim of the glass, like that's gauche if it's over the rim <laughs> of the glass. It's not supposed to be that way. All right, then. So we've covered that. Um, club soda, do you have any strong opinions about across the border? No. Just make sure it's carbonated and cold. Yeah, it's just something good. I mean, you know, usually we get like Seagram's and um, that's, that's fine. I, I tend to like, you know, when you're in a bar, uh, I prefer something with a cap on it, you know, because once you've opened, you know, uh, a soda up, then it's starting to lose carbonation. But at least you can kind of, you know, stop it a little bit by putting the cap back on. Mm -hmm. It's like the old Seinfeld thing, you know, when Kramer's taking food from Jerry and he wants to be charged every time he does something. And he's like, that sound when you open the can, shh, that's the sound of you buying an <laughs> entire can, you know? You don't get the... <laughs> and that's kind of the way that I look at like club soda is like, okay, cool. Once I open it, it's dying a slow death. So if I can put a cap on it, that's great. But I don't really care. <laughs> I, I, you know, we, you know, at Lullaby, we use, we use cans and that's fine. And they're small cans. So I know we're, and we have a bunch of drinks that uh, are using club soda. So it's like, it, we go, we go through it pretty quick. Nice. All right. So that's ingredients all but rum. Rum's what we're doing out here. Rum's your thing as well. Let's talk about gossip. I'm a fan. You know, <laughs> you've been known to drink some I've rum. I've been known to drink rum. From time to time. I guess I just miss my friend. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> so, Gosling's, I think it's the Gosling's is the Black Seal is the, the official one, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I want to talk today about where you would go if you were putting this on a menu, if you've had it on a menu before. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Um, I've never really put it on a menu. Um, it's, it's, it's like an old fashioned or, uh, a martini or a Manhattan. It's like, you should know how to make these. I don't have to tell you that we, we can make, uh, dark and stormies, but, um, you know, definitely the rum is important. Uh, really simply just doing two ounces of Gosling's is totally fine. Um, I've done that. I've worked at bars where, um, I've been very spoiled and my well rum is really is, is a really nice rum or like the owners don't really care so I'll play around sometimes I've definitely fucked around with the Gosling's old family <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a dark and stormy uh, and those that's a very rich rum yeah it's it's fucking delicious mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really good I really like the old family but of course it's super expensive and um, nobody in their right mind would allow you to make that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, not so, unless you were flushing money down the toilet and you were fine with that. <laughs> and if you were doing this with, or maybe splitting the base there, because I hear you I were talking to me about this the other day about possibly doing this drink with, well, Appleton and something else. Yeah, I usually, I mean, it depends on what I have 
available at the bar. Well, this, um, this imaginary bar, you yeah, have everything available. Stand, st- standard for me, I worked at a bar where we did a lot of rum drinks that were, uh, we used Appleton 12 was our well. And, you know, basically so was Eldorado 15. And so we were just, you know, we'd make a batch. We'd make batches of just Eldorado, equal parts Eldorado 15 and Appleton 12. And those are both, for anyone Uh, unfamiliar? Appleton 12 is Jamaica. and Molasses based. Yep. They're both, and Eldorado is uh, Demerara uh, based rum. Um, They're both delicious. I just think everything that Appleton and Eldorado does is delicious. And I just think a 12 and a 15 going together, I think are really good. Um, it definitely adds some richness to it. It's got a little bit of, um, a little bit of funk from the, from the Appleton. Um, and then some, you know, and I'm always three quarter lime, one ginger. And then sometimes, um, I'll fuck around with like, I'll put like teaspoon, half teaspoon of black strap in it. Or if I want a little bit of a kick, I'll put like a teaspoon of the Hamilton one five one. Tell me about that, because that's a technique that's that's something of a little, I'm not going to say secret weapon, but it's a it's it's something that you like to deploy every now and again, is it not? Yeah, I'm 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 a huge fan of that. Um, I learned that little cocktail hack when I was at Death and Company, and the first time that I was playing around when I was trying to create the first cock tiki drink I ever did, the Gantz Tomb, um, I was playing around with that drink. And Avery Glosser, who is uh, Bitterman's Bitters, him and his wife Janet, they own Bitterman's Bitters. Avery was a great uh, guinea pig and someone who would always help me out with cocktails. And uh, he had told me, he was like, look, if you add the 151, it helps like boost the flavors of all the other things that are in the drink. You know, much like vodka and a vodka al penne sauce, like it brings out all the spices and the flavors. And so I've used that a lot. It's also a way of just like bumping up the proof of a cocktail, which brings all the flavors together. Sometimes, you know, I'll use 151 like bitters, like it helps tie everything together and it doesn't matter the spirit. You know, I played around with a drink recently doing a fig infused bourbon with a teaspoon of 151 added to the drink, you know, and it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. you know, but that's that's a little cocktail hack that I like is like putting a teaspoon of high proof alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll do it in daiquiris and stuff like that too. And otherwise, in this one though, you said you can also do a bar spoon of blackstrap just to give it what that extra that extra dimension there. Yeah, I mean, blackstrap is is you know, really. Uh, God, I just can't prevent myself from saying this but it's like a fart in a small room like it just (laughs) you know it can it can overtake a cocktail real quick so you know using a teaspoon of it is really good and it brings that dark and stormy aspect of the cocktail like i don't think a dark and stormy is a visual thing because dark skies are dark fucking skies they're not you know it's like ooh, it's kind of white and it's kind of dark no it's dark that's dark and stormy um so I don't believe in like separating the cocktail, you know, so it looks dark on top and clear ginger, ginger beer on the bottom. But um, it's, it adds a complexity. I mean, like I said, a little bit of blackstrap goes a long way, you know, and sometimes I'll throw a dash of bitters and a dash of ango in it to kind of like bind all those rums together. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what Angostura does. And what about here, another type of rum, I'm gonna throw it out there. 
well-made spiced rums. So because, uh, you know, I've been enjoying, as I know you have from Takamaka, we've been enjoying these Creole spiced rums that, you know, we've seen the fresh ingredients in front of us. We've been drinking it. Maybe you're not a multi-conglomerate company that's just trying to confuse people as to what the rum category actually is. Like, how do you feel about a good spiced rum and its place in this drink? I think everybody who knows me knows that I fucking hate spiced rum. <laughs> um, there's a certain pirate that his name and his legacy is fucking diminished because such a terrible rum is named after it, uh, after him. Uh, but, um, you've really this, got two options there. If you want to Google that one listener. Yeah. 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 It rhymes with wrapped in organ. Um, but, um, uh, this stuff is really making me eat my words. Um, I really like the spice rum that they're doing here. Um, you know, cause like before, most of the time when brands are like, we do a spice rum and I'm like, you're wasting your money. You're never going to beat the captain of the market. You know, you're just never going to do it. Um, obviously these guys started before I met them. So they're making spiced rum and Takamaka is doing something really cool. They're taking a lot of local spices, uh, that they have on their on their property, um, cinnamon bark, which I was very excited to get some fresh stuff. For those of you that are friends of mine, I will have fresh cinnamon bark at my house and be making syrups and daiquiris with that soon, kids. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, they uh, all spice down here. Um, they've really just done. Stephen, who was the master blender at Takamaka, has done a really great job of like blending all of these spices together. I may have a couple of hacks for him to like bring out some of the spices a little bit more, but um, I think he's done a wonderful job, you know, and it all starts with the juice. The juice is good down here. Mm -hmm. I'm really pleasantly surprised. Um, certainly before I came down here, I was definitely worried, you know, that I was going to have to be one of those friends who, you know, has another friend who plays music and like, yeah, your music's really good. Meanwhile, I fucking hate it. But, <laughs> you know, like these guys have a rum that is, that is delicious. Um, and you talk about those fresh ingredients and those ones that, that, that we saw too. Also, thing to note, we were talking about ginger earlier. We've got our hands on some um, some local ginger from from their actual garden. I think it's, I, I believe it's also in the, it might also be in the rum here as well. But it's definitely. Um, they got a spice garden to die for. That's yeah, in their, yeah, in their backyard. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at the 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 extractor here across from us on the bar. And this, this local ginger that I can't wait to try I is just I, contemplating jumping into it. I'm it, not sure. What's happening with I that? I can't wait. Well, we're, you know, the Takamaka family is coming over tonight. So the face. I get to make cocktails for them. Um, and to my surprise, this house is loaded with everything. Like, I was <laughs> like, you have a juice extractor? Oh, yeah, it's down here. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. Great. So cool. So, yeah, fresh ginger, spiced rums. Yeah, I it's a, it's it's a, it's a it is an interesting one. You know, definitely this is not as one this is not a drink where we're going to spend as much time talking about it as say maybe a martini or a manhattan or whatever or anything, but like everything you've spoken about shows that you can make something that seems very simple and probably has been very bad in your life beforehand. You can really take that to a different level. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think it's all about the ginger syrup. You know, the ginger syrup is what really changes it. It's like when I'm at Lullaby and somebody's like, I'll have a Jack and ginger. No problem. Essentially, I just take bourbon because we don't have Jack Daniels. Um, and it's bourbon, lime, and, um, 
and uh, ginger syrup, you mm -hmm. know, topped off with it. It's the same mark, uh, same spec that I would use for Dark and Stormy. I do the same thing with tequila. I do the same, you know, Audrey has her ginger mule, but instead of using her ginger tea, I use ginger syrup and club soda and, um, you know, ginger and the Presbyterian, which is a classic... Uh, old, it's basically a rye version. Of so you're basically, what you're saying here is it, it, it's worth going the effort to make this syrup because there's a number of amazing yeah, drinks that you, so, can you can use it in. You can Mr. Potato Head the fuck out of this mm -hmm. cocktail. Yeah. The old Death Absolutely. and Co. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Phil Ward. <laughs> so we've already gone through this in today's recording, but um, let's do it again because people, people might not have been paying attention earlier and usually we do it around this time in the episode so make your ideal uh -oh. make your make your desert island version of this drink for us or talk us through as if you were making it now in front of the uh in the indian ocean right now uh I talk have, us through I, specs I, and i mean it's still three-quarter lime uh one of the ginger syrup and depending on what island i'm on like how delicious the ginger is it's definitely going to make it you know spicier or um, more flavorful than what the crap we get in the United States. Um, but uh, as far as rum, I'm allowed to have any rum I can. Cost is no. We're saying for this one, cost is no issue. Cost is no issue. Um, something dark and rich. I mean, honestly, like, oh god, rum people are gonna fall off their fucking stools if I say this. But uh, you know, it, yeah. When you ha when you have an amazing rum, no matter what the price of it is, there's in my mind there's no such thing as like oh well you shouldn't use this rum in a cocktail. It's only meant for sipping. Um, I think that's partially true in something like a rum and coke. Then no, I don't think you should use really, awesome, you know. But if you're making you know a rum Collins or a dark and stormy or a mai tai, it's like you want the best ingredients, so use use the best. Yeah, to the best of your ability, make the best cocktail you possibly can. Um, so with this one, man, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I think just, you know, sometimes it's like you don't have to use the most expensive rum. Honestly, I think the Eldorado uh, 15 and the Appleton 12 is a nice mix. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, shoot, there were some delicious rums I used to have at the Polynesian that were off the charts uh, delicious. It wasn't Zaya. It was something, Zafra. Oh man, there's like I had had uh, because I drank most of it. Um, the Zafra 40 year old is pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> or it's 30 year old. I think it's I think it's a 30 year old. It's a Zafra 30 year old rum. Um, so age is better, kids. Age is better. Um, so being old in that instance is a good thing. Um, yeah, Zafra Zafra 30 would be fun to play with. Honestly, the Gosling's old family is kind of fucking ridiculous. Uh, but in that case, I would still add like a little black strap and a little little one fifty one. All right, so I'm going to bring it back here to Appleton Eldorado, one ounce of each. You said three quarters lime, yep. one of your sim one of your ginger syrup. Yep. And then what's happening? Uh, probably you know if I'm going balls out, um, probably a t you know half teaspoon maybe of the black strap, teaspoon of the. Uh, of the 151, the Hamilton 151. Um, and uh, shaking that you know, up. Shaking that up. Probably put a dash of bitters in it. Um, Any specific? Angostura, you know. It's the salt and pepper of bartending. Um, yeah, I'd probably do that, you know, 
I was feeling cheeky, maybe I'd throw a lime shell in there or a lime peel. You go for the old regal shake? Yeah, the old fucking regal shake. Yeah. <laughs> We're back there. Yeah, God, there's... That's a term I can't stand, but... Um, You're shaking that up with ice. I'm shaking it, yeah, I'm shaking it up with ice. Uh, you know, add the club soda to the, to the tin and then pour it all in the glass over ice. Highball. Highball glass. Chilled. Chilled. Garnish? Nah, chilled. Yeah, fuck it. You know, we don't need to chill it. Um, garnish, honestly, uh, I would probably love a uh, dehydrated lime wheel and a piece of ginger candy. Nice. That sounds like a good dark and stormy. I look forward to drinking that later on. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, actually, too, I did a play uh, on one of my last jobs with uh, pickled ginger. You know, just put... You know, it's like a long thing, looks like a gummy worm or something like that. It's purple and white on the end, just sticking that in. And that's something that's kind of cool. It's like you can drink it, eat a piece of the ginger. Adds a new dimension of flavor as well. That, yeah. That's cool. It's, it's fun. Nice. Any final thoughts on the dark and stormy here or the or, or rum before we move into the next section of the show? <laughs> uh, come see me at Lullaby. I'll make you a dark and stormy. I'm there Mondays, Fridays and Saturdays fun place to go. Old Man Mondays, I think they call it. Old Man Mondays is round. The old man is not referring to the guests. It is referring to me as the old man serving people. I was like, it's old music served by an old bartender real slow. Um, (laughs) You know, or go to any of the family, the Milk and Honey family bars, Attaboy, uh, Dutch Kills, um, wherever Sammy and Mickey have conquered Or Rick, Richie has a new new place upstate as well, if you want to yeah, check that Richie's out. Yeah, has got a new place upstate. Yeah, I need to go check that out myself. I certainly want to see his liquor store. Um, but yeah, uh, anywhere any, anywhere where ginger syrup is served is where you should go and, <laughs> and have, a, have a dark and stormy and let the bartender, you know, make it however they want. Hopefully they'll check their ego at the door and make you something delicious. Sounds good to me. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to head into the next section of the show where, you know, I like to normally say where we get to know you a little bit more as a bartender and a drinker. We've already done that once around. Do you really want to do that? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) But we're going to do it anyway. And you're going to be the third person, I believe, to answer this second set of questions. So very exciting times here for everyone involved. I'm very nervous. Question number one, as is customary. Which spirits category are you currently most rum. excited about? <laughs> rum, rum, and rum. <laughs> no, sorry, finish the question. For the sake of who wants to be a millionaire, I'm obliged to uh, finish the question. <laughs> it doesn't count otherwise. Which... A final answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's rum. Yeah, we knew. It's the one you're most excited about, both professionally and personally. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if there's a certain spirit necessarily i mean certainly anything that comes from rum anything that has the letters r-u-m in it i'm definitely interested in but uh you know there's always incredible and different spirits that are coming out whether it's whiskey i mean the only thing i would say is i am not interested in anything from the vodka world Um, i've got a bottle that change your mind We'll no, save that for another day. No, you don't. No, you I don't. do. <laughs> I do. It's a potato eau de vie. Potato eau de vie. Well, that wouldn't be vodka then, would it? it or is. is that semantics? It's, it's how I'm turning bartenders, changing their opinions, 
by the oh, truckload. Good, 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 good luck with that. <laughs> Changing bartender's opinion. There's a whole nother show we could go on about. We're going to move on to question two instead. Okay. What was the last ideally alcoholic drink you had that truly wowed you? What the fuck does ideally alcoholic mean? Well, it could be. I mean, this is a show about cocktails, but you could turn around and be like, you know what? I had this really good non-alcoholic RTD the other day. That's not a cocktail. That's a mocktail. It's not. (laughs) These are semantics. (laughs) No, they literally aren't. (laughs) But I just—it's just a drink. It could Um, also be—it could also be a mixer. So anyway, the last—the last cocktail that wowed me. No, the last drink. Yeah, cocktail. Okay. Um, the last cocktail that wowed me. Okay, we, we, we did talk about this so I could get my head wrapped around it. Um, there's, there, there's a couple of drinks uh, that I had that I, I just really liked. Um, one on, uh, I mean, I'm dating myself because I, I don't go out for drinks that much to be often. I, to, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't go out for drinks usually uh, I'm in the mood for rum and I have a better rum selection at home than most bars do so uh, when I do go you know and then like usually it's just cheap beer and absinthe when I'm going to a bar um, or a daiquiri but uh, I really liked um, you know back when when Toby Chikini opened Long Island Bar uh, the Rip City Fizz I really liked and that was like a combination of uh, Aquavit and Cider um I think pretty much almost every time I go there, I, I ask Toby or Phil if, if they'll make it for me because I don't think it's on the menu anymore. But I think that's really good. Rip uh, City Fizz? Rip City Fizz, yeah. It's, and uh, is that what? Is it alcoholic cider? Yeah, yeah, alcoholic cider. Yeah, I can't remember which one he uses. Um, there was... Uh, let's see. I really liked... I, I got a chance to help... Uh, Yale Vanegroff with uh, she did like the menu at um, for SBE I can't remember the name it was like a sushi place out in LA um, but she did a really interesting cocktail that she had added green uh, food coloring to and was uh, kind of a martini-esque thing I honestly can't remember the name of it uh, knowing SBE it's probably still on the menu there but that was really cool it was just different um, it's hard for me to describe just because I can't remember, but I do remember like the green, the green martini drink that I thought was really good. And it's very esoteric. It's but people were it was resonating with people mm-hmm. out there. And then, um, you know, the first drink I thought of when you asked me this question the other night was uh, Thomas Waugh had done this drink um, for uh, a restaurant in the Lower East Side that uh, uh, it was like Japanese whiskey and he infused Koki Torino with like uh, coconuts or coconut coffee or something like that. I think it was called the Monte Carlo. I'm not really sure on it. I don't think it's still on the menu there. But that was a drink. I was like, holy fuck, what is this? Um, and honestly, Thomas's drinks tend to have that effect on me. He's really great at mixing flavors. Um, he had a drink it was literally called the carrot drink that had a uh, carrot eau de vie, uh, a juice that was mixed with carrots and uh, red peppers, like spicy red peppers, and a cumin syrup, which was great. Carrot and like, cumin. 
big friends. Yeah, I just didn't know, you know, because the first time somebody, you know, an old friend of mine tried to make a carrot cocktail and she did it with like, I can't remember. It, it was carrots and like Laphroaig. And I was like, this tastes like a fucking ashtray. Like it was one of the worst drinks I've ever had in my life. Um, she's gone on to do amazing things. But um, uh, Jessica Gonzalez, by the way, I think she's got a new tiki bar called Jet Setter in upstate New York. You should all go visit. I know I need to. Um, so a lot of drinks that have wowed you. Yeah. A couple there. I mean, there's a couple. Yeah. Not recently, but. It's funny. I think it's like funny said, that you mentioned Toby's. Ourselves. It's funny that you mentioned Toby's Aquavi drink because um, I believe when he answered this question or the previous question, uh, Aquavi is the category of spirit that he's most excited about, and they have it as their they have it as their boiler maker over yeah. there at Long Island Bar, and that's my preferred way to go now. Ever since having that, yeah, I mean, we used to hard do- to get in a dive bar, I should say. Yeah, well, we used to do, at this one job I had, uh, we were bored one night, and we were trying to figure out, like, what's the best Boilermaker? Like, what's the best combination for a Boilermaker? And I had done an Aqua Vite, uh, which was really good, but uh, number one now is uh, Absinthe and Beer. I love that. We call it Death Before Dawn. Very nice indeed. Question number three. What's one book you would recommend that every alcohol and cocktail <laughs> enthusiast should own a copy of? Sorry, it's it, it, it's always going to be on my list, and it's always going to be number one. I haven't. Um, just Give us a couple I, of sentences on that book for anyone not familiar with it. Sipping Safari. It's Beach Bumberry's book. Um, it's his seminal cocktail book. I think it's one of the best things that he's ever written. He had a 10th anniversary edition that came out, uh, which evidently is different. According to my friend Robert, it's different. But um, I have not read the 10th anniversary edition, but I have the original, and it's phenomenal. The stories are great. It's more like stories of cocktails. Um than it is, uh, than it is just a book of recipes. It's so one you could one you could read on the beach. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the one you can read on the beach. Actually, another good beach read, which I read when I was the first time I went to the Caribbean and I went to Saint Lucia, uh, was Cosmopolitan by Toby. That yep. was like an ex girlfriend of mine had read that, and she's like, "You need to read this book because this guy is exactly like you." And that's <laughs> to me quite the compliment. Um, but yeah, I mean, Toby is. Uh, wordsmith and he's incredible um so his book is great um morgenthaler's book the bar book um i think it's really great that for me was like i read that later on and that was reading that book i was like oh, okay i'm we're, we're we're doing things pretty much the same we like have the same thought process and i was like okay cool like if if i'm doing the same thing as jeffrey morgenthaler i know i'm still a that's usually de- yeah i'm a pretty decent bartender yeah very nice. All right, penultimate question for you here. Mm-hmm. If you could appear in one movie scene where alcohol plays a prominent role, which yeah, one would it be and who would you like to play? Okay, so the scene is... Big surprise. Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie, where Captain Jack and... Uh, what's the woman's name? I mean, it's Kira Knightley, but I can't remember. Elizabeth. Are he's got a giant bottle of rum, which is my favorite shape of bottle. His the bottle of rum, the big bell-shaped rum bottle. Um, they're dancing around that like <laughs> like banshees or wild engines, and um, 
they are singing uh, A Pirate's Life for Me. Um, that's, that's a really great scene. Uh, I don't know whether I want to be Jack Sparrow or be the person that's with Jack Sparrow. I don't think I could ever fill those shoes, so maybe I'm actually Elizabeth in that scene. You're Elizabeth, and you're yeah. just dancing around with yeah. Jack Sparrow. I'm a beautiful woman in a long white gown drinking rum with Jack Sparrow. That sounds pretty fucking cool. You're yeah. a Johnny Depp fan. I'm not Team I, Johnny. I, I, I am. I, yeah, I am definitely Team Johnny. I think everybody who knows me knows that. I mean, I'll take, I'll, I'll take current gonna, events aside we're even. Not gonna, I just, we're not even going to get to the politics. But no, no, I just, as an actor... I I think Donnie Brasco is a terrible movie. I still We've love been you, brother, this. and I completely disagree with you. I think that's a seminal mobster movie. It's definitely not. It's <laughs> it's so much worse than the sum of its parts. <laughs> um, hey, it's a good book, though. The forget about it scene is priceless. I've already forgotten about it. <sighs> forget about it. <laughs> All right. Last question for you here today. Okay. I, thought, I, I, I thought the penultimate. Penultimate, that penult- means second to last. Uh, second to last, okay. Last question for you before Read you go and make sometime, some... Read Miller. <laughs> 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 Read a book. It's the most popular name in the world. Um, that's a super bad reference. Go McLovin. listen to that one. McLovin, yeah. Classic. Final question. Before you go make some ginger syrup. Yeah. Which modern classic cocktail do you think is deserving of more recognition than it currently gets? Oh, well, there's a lot of great cocktails out there that probably don't get their due. Um, and for anybody that knows me, knows right now where my head is probably at, and it's with, uh, it's with Brother Cleave and... Uh, the gang at uh, Lullaby, Harrison and Jake and Devon and Nick and CJ and Miriam, Daniel and Sterling. Um, I think, I, you know, I don't like the painkiller. I think the painkiller is a watered-down version of a pina colada. I don't think it's that good. That'll probably start some fights for anybody, any Tiki fans listening. Um, and I think... Cleve's soggy dollar cocktail is something that is just completely overlooked. Um, I think it's much, it's a much, much better cocktail. It's also like a quintessential Cleve cocktail in that that guy can take the most obscure or like overlooked ingredients and make an incredible cocktail. That was like the first thing that kind of like drew me into lullaby was like he gave me some cocktail with baron jaeger and i was like what is it 1975 who fucking uses baron jaeger anymore but uh his his soggy dollar cocktail uses so tell us about this drink and give us the context for the incredible name here well, and its ties to the pen the, to the painkiller it's from the bar called the soggy dollar which is where the painkiller was created uh using pusser's rum um and, why and, would and that was a bar that you had to swim up to at least Excuse me. It used to be. There was a time, I think, later on. I mean, it's gone now because of the hurricane uh, that hit Puerto Rico and that in the Caribbean uh, many years ago when Donald Trump was throwing paper towels uh, to the locals. Um, but um, uh, it was a bar you had to swim to. 
And so people would swim up there and they would take out their wallets, which were, you know, in their bathing suits or in their hands. And uh, they would clip it with like a clothespin onto a line and let their money dry out, you know, before they uh, paid their bill there. Never got a chance to go. Always wanted to go there. thought that was a brilliant idea of a bar that you swam up to. Um, but, uh, you know, Cleve's cocktail is basically like a twist on, on the painkiller. Um, the most amazing part about it is it has where I was talking about earlier about using a half teaspoon or a teaspoon of black strap. <laughs> he uses two and a half ounces, <laughs> which is incredible to me. Uh, that really blows my mind and makes me respect him all the more, um, and miss him all the more. But, um, uh, it's that it's like, you know, it's got coconut cream in it. It's got orange juice. It's got uh, a little bit of falernum, uh, fees, whiskey, barrel aged bitters. It's just, it's a cocktail that sometimes when you have a massive ego as a bartender or you just like, you know, you're just like this drink, this can't work. Like you just look at a recipe and you're like, yeah, that's not going to work. Um, but it does. I, I used to make it at Tiki Mondays when I was at, um, mother's ruin and it's great. My bartenders at the Polynesian, when I had that bar, uh, they were like, how do we make a painkiller? I'm like, we don't. We make a soggy dollar cocktail. You know? um, and he would garnish this drink with? He would gar- Well, <laughs> I, yeah, he would garnish it with like one of those cute little cocktail clothespins um, and like a toy, you know, $100 bill <laughs> or whatever, which I just thought was cool. Like, that's the coolest. That was kind of the inspiration for all my like toys and shit that I like to put in tiki cocktails, the little toy pirates and stuff like that. It was seeing that. And it's just a beautiful looking drink. It's well done. It doesn't have to be made in a blender. Um, It is served on crushed ice. It is, it is really good. And in the tiki world, it's a little surprising that that drink hasn't become more popular. We're hoping to change that today. And cheers, cheers to Cleve for that one there. Cheers, BC. I miss you like a motherfucker. All right, then. Well, this has been a this has been a special one. Um, before we do finish, two questions for you. You know I throw. You know I, oh God, there's two more. You know I don't throw softballs. <laughs> You've not been able to answer them thus far on this trip, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Favorites of all time. Number one, Paul Thomas Anderson PTA movie favorite of all time. Dude, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. I'm a man of simple pleasures. I like lollipops in my mouth and butter in my ass. <laughs> Great line. Great line. <laughs> Might not make the final cut. <laughs> it is a quote. Please, Keith, leave this in. <laughs> final one, then. You've revealed yourself earlier. I will continue this. As being someone who appreciates listening to Elvis on the beach. Favorite oh, yeah. Elvis song of all time. Oh, man. That, that is tough. I just listened to, like, three hours of Elvis on the beach today. Um... I don't know. Like I said, I think the reason why I'm a hopeless romantic is Elvis songs. That guy really knows how to write a love song. Um, I mean, I've gone through different stages. Uh, so the song I kind of like currently, because it's like perfect for like sitting on a beach, is uh, A Pocket Full of Rainbows. Um, I used to like, when I was doing Tiki Mondays, one of my favorites I put on the list was uh, Marie's The Name. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, I was listening to the words of wear my ring around your neck and it makes me miss somebody. Um, it's, 
I don't know. There's not much that Elvis doesn't do that I don't There's like. There's not much. Yeah, he doesn't you know, do well. I, um, I, I, I don't like the questions when people are like, are you an Elvis man or a Beatles man? You have to be one. And I'm like, why? I can't enjoy Elvis and the Beatles. Um, <laughs> I, I would do, say this, though. I do enjoy both, and that's probably fighting words for all the millennials and Gen Zers out there. I'd say that's a Gen X question, but anyway... If you haven't done it before, I can confirm Elvis on the Beach. What is what something is, what quite is, what special? Is, what is your favorite Elvis tune? If I can dream. If I can dream. And I think it's I said this to you earlier. I think it's the I think it's the '67. It's the comeback special where he's in leather. This one's on YouTube. Uh, not really oh, a great. Oh, the one where Elvis is in leather. Jesus, which one? With the, that's like. Oh, remember that blonde in California? No, 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 no. This yeah. is this is where, <laughs> this is where Elvis, he lost. When all, was Elvis not in leather? This is where he lost all the weight. This was pre sequence. <laughs> he came back, um, and you know, yeah, maybe not a great beach one. We'll see. We'll check that out. But I think that's the one that if I had one last Elvis song to listen to. That's the one I'm going for. I think we've also come to the conclusion that all music is better on the beach. All music is, everything is. Um, Even the stuff I hear at Lullaby is still good on the beach. <laughs> Cheers, Harrison. <laughs> uh, Cheers, buddy. Final follow-up for you, final quote here, adapted. I hope that the Indian Ocean... This is blue in real life <laughs> as it is in my dreams. That's red. That's Shawshank Redemption. It is blue out here, folks. It's incredible. It's incredible. We're going to go and enjoy some more, some final hours of the Seychelles. I think it's time for a swim before I get to work. Let's do it. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Takamaka. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Takamaka. Bye-bye. <laughs>